had lots of friends, always was like very social, but it never felt like, hey, this person would like die for me. I'd never felt that. And not only that this person would die for me, but I would also die for them. My entire life has changed. This is Robbie Bent, and you're listening to the Lifestylist Podcast. All right, fasten your seatbelts and strap on your crash helmets, podcast people. We're about to blast off on a rocket known as episode 459. The power of breathwork for energy, sleep, healing, and spiritual awakening with other ships, Robbie Bent. And for those of you seeking the full episode experience, you'll find show notes, links, and transcripts at lukestory.com slash Robbie. And even better yet, if you want me to send you all the episode content every Tuesday morning, I'm going to need to get your email address. And here's how we do that. Go to lukestory.com slash newsletter. It takes about 20 seconds to sign up. And of course, you can leave anytime. Again, that's lukestory.com slash newsletter. Our guest, Robbie Bent, is just an awesome guy. He knocks on the door and uh, we just hit it off right away. Definitely kindred spirits, as they say. He's also the CEO and co-founder of Othership, and they're building a global community to solve the loneliness epidemic. And man, do we have one. Other ships built the first emotional training classes in North America where they combined beautiful social spaces built around saunas, ice baths, and the leading breathwork mobile app. And they also run live breathwork classes in New York City, LA, Miami, and Austin. Now, unfortunately, I missed it when they were in Austin, but I'm definitely going to be attending next time they roll through. Now, I've been using this other ship app nonstop, and it's just incredible. In fact, I snuck in a four-minute session this morning as that's all I had time for. And even that little short blast of breath upgraded my day. Super cool. And as you know, guests on this show often share solutions to what ails us, but sometimes they come with a hefty price tag. And what I love about breath work is that anyone can do it anytime you want for free. And in my experience, it can definitely transform your life in the most powerful of ways. But because I'm a bit lazy, I prefer personally to be led through a breath work session. So that's why I use Robbie's app most of the time. Okay, I want to get right into the thick of it with this episode, so I'll just allude to a few of the general topics we explore, but just know that if you're someone who struggles with anxiety, depression, addictions, or just about any other mental or emotional challenges, this will definitely be a really important episode for you. And hey, if your life's perfect and you want to make it even better, there's a lot here for you too. So after sending Robbie on a neurovisor and Newcom journey here at the studio, we sat down and discussed the following. Robbie's wild experience at a week-long darkness retreat, his former addictions and how he got clean, the role hot, cold, and breath had in his healing, and how his company Othership came to be and where it's headed. We also explore their two physical locations in Toronto and New York City, the abundant science on the benefits of breath work, and the various categories of sessions on the Othership app, up, down, all around, body, brain, and even psychedelic. And he also explains why the Othership journeys have so many variations of breath, and how he found the incredible breath work facilitators for the app, and how the epic soundscapes they use are created. And finally, Robbie shares the most impressive Othership transformations he's witnessed since its inception. And I'll wager that after hearing this episode, you'll want to take the Othership app for a spin yourself. To do so, just go to othership.us slash Luke for 14 days of their breathwork app for free. 
And we also have an exclusive offer only for listeners of this podcast, and that's you. Go to lukestory.com slash othership and you'll get 25% off an annual subscription and you won't find this deal anywhere else. Now let's go ahead and embark on this soul mission with Robbie Bent. Enjoy the ride. Robbie, how was your neurovisor session? For those listening, our guest Robbie just came in, in the home studio here and I said, hey, you want to take a little journey? He'd already done the Lucia light, which was my first plan. So ah, I didn't get to de-virginize him on that, but uh, put him under the, the Neurovisor headset um, with his head inside a giant Leela block, for those of you that are familiar with that particular uh, brand. So how'd that go? I come to your house a little bit nervous. It's only the second interview I've done in person. So there's a huge setup. There's cameras. There's lights. Notice my heart's beating a little bit faster. And you offer me this, you know, beautiful gift. And so you kind of get in this contraption, put the device on my head. And within three to four minutes, listening to that nice music, I started feeling like some moments of pure joy. And so I went from, what am I going to say? Is it going to be good? What's Luke going to think of me? These feelings of doubt. Um, just to being completely present, looking at some of these beautiful colors and having moments of, of real awe. I would call them awe, I guess. So a few moments of, I'm not thinking, I'm not worried. I'm just here enjoying the sounds and, and the light. And I've tried Lucia Light a number of times and uh, I just, I really preferred. That was a really beautiful experience to set the tone, help me feel a little bit more, that's, I guess, adequate and present. That's awesome. Well, we had toyed with the idea of doing an Othership breath work before, um, which I've been doing a lot of. Um, we'll, we'll obviously talk about that. Um, but I thought I might get too spaced out if we did that. It's like maybe do one after, but but I've been pretty consistent with it. I think yesterday, yeah, yesterday I did one of the ones because I emailed you and said, which one's the most psychedelic? I want to just like take your app to the the depths. And um, and I did the um, third eye one. Yeah, and it was it was pretty profound. So I've been in a, a good habit of that. Uh, but it's the first time I've ever, you know, offered a guest a little eleven minute journey. So I'm glad I'm glad that you had a good experience and that you weren't like, oh, I can't talk now. All right. Well, that brings me to uh, my first question, sir. Um, let's start by just saying, what is Othership? So you guys have this app and you have a location in Toronto. And uh, spoiler alert, sounds like you have some other locations popping off. But give us just the elevator pitch on that because I'm going to meander into a bunch of different stuff here. But I want to make sure that people understand that we're going to be talking about breath work and specifically how you're creating an incredible business around that and hot and cold therapy and all this. So just give us a kind of summary of what Othership is in its current incarnation. Yeah, I think the main problem we're solving is, is the fact that our nervous systems are broken, especially coming out of COVID more so than ever. The feelings of, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed, I'm burnt out, I'm lonely. If I asked you, you know, when's the last time you were bored or had nothing to do or how did you feel today? All of those are super hard to answer. We're always, you know, wake up, check my phone, have 10 different items on my to-do list, go, go, go. It just feels like there's no space. And as a result, it's because we're in our sympathetic nervous system, right? That fight or flight mode all the time. And evolutionarily, we're not meant to be that way. It's just a confounding number of variables in our environments that have changed. And so that was a, the problem with solving was my nervous system was broken. And so similar past to you, struggled with addiction, uh, had a company that blew up, was in 
broke, depressed, uh, and struggling and, and had these, these issues. And so found through a ton of study practices of breath, hot, cold, psychedelic medicines, all these different things that help you to reclaim and master your nervous system. So that's what Othership is. It's the idea that you can use these ancient practices in community in a way that's fun so that you can learn to take back control of your nervous system. Excellent overview. When you said your business blew up for a second as it fell out of your mouth, I was like, oh, he made bank. It went well. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like blew up. <laughs> There's two ways a business yeah. can blow up. It can implode or explode. I guess if it explodes, maybe exponentially it grows. That's, that's great, man. Um, what's, the, uh, what's the latest news? Like, what are you most excited about? You were telling me before about some new locations uh, happening. W- what else is like in the immediate future lighting you up about your, your venture? Well, for four years, I've been working on this with four of my best friends, my wife and three best friends, another couple. And we've known that, that there's power in these experiences. Watching 50 people in a massive sauna, turning out the lights, doing a massive anger release where everyone screams. We did a class on Monday night called Loving Kindness and it was based on a meta meditation where during the class, you actually eye gaze with a stranger. Then you, the lights go out, you bring to mind an enemy or someone you're, you're struggling with and you send them love. And I just saw probably 60% of the people crying. And four years ago, we saw this stuff happening, but nobody really believed it. I was like, you, you got an ice bath in a backyard, man. Like, what, are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? Nobody's cried in my backyard ice bath. And so, yeah, so, but I, but I saw like people doing breath, coming together in community in small groups and in a backyard around a fire. And I thought, well, this, this is really powerful. And so for the first time now, you put some money behind it, a beautiful space, design, aesthetic, incredible music, like world-trained facilitators, and the experience changes. And for the first time, we're starting to get recognition where people are saying, oh, I've heard of Othership, or I did a class, I, I had a transformation, or you know, 50 people are crying in a group on a Monday night. You see that happening, and it just feels, wow, there's actually something here that's much more powerful than we, we thought. And so when we were building this, the question was like, is anyone even going to come? You know, like we had that small community, but is the average you know, person who maybe isn't into their emotions and psychedelics and all this other stuff, the average banker, lawyer, engineer, or just, just standard person, especially in Toronto, it's not a super spiritual place the same way that maybe the West Coast is. And so we're just wondering, like, are people going to come to this thing? And, you know, we've been open for a year now and two weeks wait list uh, to come to the classes. Everything's full. And the biggest thing I'm excited about is taking you know, we built in Toronto, which is a pretty world-class city and coming to New York. So we've been looking for seven months. We found two spaces and it feels like we're going into the big leagues, like biggest city in North America, taking a big swing, signing leases, putting, you know, our whole livelihoods on the line to kind of make it happen on a bigger stage. And I don't think I've ever been in my entire <laughs> career more excited than to bring these things that changed my life to a huge group. So I'm, I'm you're catching me now on like maybe one of the best days of my career. So good, so good. And I, I can only imagine the big leap of signing a couple leases in New York City. <laughs> I mean, I used to do events with another business and uh, we would have to sign just, you know, renting a boutique hotel or a fashion studio for two to five days. And it was like, what, how much money? <laughs> you know what I mean? That was very temporary, but you know, you're like, man, we better put some asses in seats or we're going to be out on our ass. So that, that's a huge move. Um, in, in your journey so far, 
and we're gonna we're gonna get into that. I think you and I have so many parallels in terms of how we arrived at uh, what we do for a living and and where our passions lie. Um, who are three teachers or teachings in general that have influenced your life or work that come to mind? Like three books or people that you've encountered that have just changed your trajectory. That's a really interesting question. I think one, and I like, like the first thing that came to mind is who are people in my life versus like famous people that I, I read about and tried to implement. And so one is a, a former co-founder of mine. I worked in crypto. I worked for the Ethereum eco, the ecosystem and then the Ethereum foundation um, for four years. And I met uh, co-founder Sina Habibian, younger guy, brilliant, had done physics. And he just, um, whenever it was time to do something, he was just like, let's fucking go, man. Like, let's do it. Yeah, of course we're going to do it. So we went, we pitched to um, Andreessen Horowitz, which is like one of the biggest tech investors in the world. And I was super nervous. I think he was maybe 24, 25 at the time. And I was like, hey, he just joined the team. I was like, you want to lead the pitch? And he was like, yeah, of course I want to lead the pitch. Like where most people would be like, whoa, I don't know. Like I've never done this before. And he just jumped in, led the pitch, crushed it. And I saw that and always stuck with me of like, okay, you can just do it. Like why... Don't be afraid. And it kind of goes to New York where the idea is, yeah, we're going to sign leases. Like, let's go. You know, who, if it's not us, like who's going to do this thing? Like we sh- we've made it. It doesn't exist. Let's go. And he's someone I always think about that inspires me of like, you can do it. Like believe in yourself, bet on yourself and just go for it. Even if you're nervous. I like uh, that. So, someone, uh, just interjection here. There's a really great principle that someone taught me many years ago when I was kind of in the um, freeze moment of having an idea and, and being afraid to execute it. And I was trying to get all prepared and get all my ducks in a row and plan it all out. Then I was going to do it. And my friend um, at the time, this guy, Hector, who was like a kind of real estate uh, investor guy, he said, Luke, you're going about it all wrong. You're trying to do the ready, aim, fire method. Nothing gets done like that. It goes like this, fire, aim, ready. (laughs) And I was like, I think I know what you mean. It's terrifying. And I did it. And I just like started doing my thing. I was doing these classes and just put out ads and started enrolling people with no class. And then that made me get the goddamn class together. So I I like that. Who's the second one? So it's funny, this question is the first thing I'm thinking is like, oh, try to sound smart. What's like a book you read? Like, I love who? your authenticity, by the way, that you, you share openly some of the internal dialogue that many people don't say out loud. So thank you for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. But that was my, my thought was like, try to sound smart. What's a book you've read? And then I was like, no, like, okay, you, you know, I read a few books a year, whatever it is. Most of the time I hang out with people. So obviously the learning is going to come from people in my life. So the next one that popped up was my, my wife. And so before my wife, I was struggling with addiction. I'd lost my company. I was broke. I met her and I always had this need, this insecurity of, you know, I want people to like me. I want to have nice things. I want to prove I'm successful. When I met her, it was the first time. And I didn't feel like a good person. Like when I was struggling with addiction, I had problems with relationships and money and just doing things that were shady generally. You know, I would disappear on the weekends. I relate. And we can get more into that too. But I, when I met her for the first time, I just felt like I was starting over. And if I just tr- treated this person amazing, like it would mean I was a good person. And so every day, like I've never raised my voice or said like a negative word to hurt her feelings. And that was really important to me to start. And the more I did that, the more it made me feel worthy. And so she taught me about 
what it means to love somebody and to be a real team. Because before that, everything, all relationships were, were somewhat selfish. Where it's like, what can I get from this? Or transactional in some way. Yeah, and even, even like I had lots of friends, always was like very social, but it wasn't, it never felt like, hey, this person would like die for me. I mean, I'd never felt that. And so with her was the, and, and not only that this person would die for me because I'd, I'd had another relationship like that, but I would also die for them. And I was going to put everything on the line for them. And so she taught me to feel because of that, it was the first person I could be totally authentic with and share my secrets. Like, hey, I don't feel good about these things and I'm struggling with this. And, and like totally open book with no lies. And I'd never had a relationship like that. So over now, I think it's five and a half years. We just had a baby three months ago. Congratulations. Wow. I didn't whole, know that. Yeah. So that's been, I've been a, a crazy journey, but she has totally changed my, my life. And, and through her, that's you know the, around the start of the sobriety journey. Um, we started this business together. Every, my entire life has changed. So she's taught me the most about just being open and honest and, and serving and like loving. Awesome. I relate. So fortunate to have that experience especially when you've had the converse experience before, right? <laughs> I mean, in my case, through no one's fault but my own, right? In, in most cases, at least. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. How about a third? So the third one is before this role, I'd always wanted to make money. Like that was my, my driving force out of school. So I was an investment banker. I worked in finance. I was just like, how do I make money the fastest? And when that didn't work out, I was like, I'm going to do a startup. That's, that's how I make money the fastest. And it was always like operations, discipline, hard work. I never grew up in a house where creativity was prioritized. It was like work hard, make money. And so I always thought of myself as like an operator, you know, somebody who gets shit done and is disciplined. And it was only in this last role where I've actually had a creative side. So like, you know, designing some of these breath works and scripts and classes and what is the brand and the storytelling around it. And our two leads in that space, Harry and Amanda, two of my best friends now. Um, we met on this project and they're responsible for creating all the guide training, all the classes in the space, all the production that you hear on the app. They're like creative wizards. You know, like I'll wake up one day and Harry will have made a theme song for other ship that he sent me. And it's like, hey man, I made this last night. It's like, what? <laughs> like, you know, always having these amazing ideas. And so watching him and, and Amanda, his wife, uh, for me, it's opened up something that, wow, you don't have to be this operator. Like you are creative and everyone's creative. Cause I never like played any musical instruments. I wasn't in any plays. I just never felt like I was a creative person. And so what I've learned over the last four years from watching him is that, yeah, I can be creative and there's creativity in everything. Even if it's just writing a script or telling a story. And when you are creative and feel that energy of like making something, uh, that's been some of the biggest joy I've had in my entire career. So the, the two of them, for helping me embrace creativity and like understand that I have it has been extremely powerful. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, on the creativity because I've always thought of myself as someone creative. You know, when I was a kid, I drew, I play music, I make content, but I've been recently in a similar way kind of expanding my interpretation of creativity and thinking about other people's expression of that gift and what comes to mind as you, as you, say how you're exploring your creativity and seeing that it's multifaceted or at least looks different than someone traditionally who's created as an artist, let's say. Think about someone who's really good at Excel spreadsheets. 
which is to me, like I would rather have my toenails ripped off than even open an Excel spreadsheet, let alone try to read it. Worst case scenario being creating one. But that person who's maybe very left brain and analytical and good at math and things, that's creative to them, right? So I, I think you're so right. That's a really good point. Everyone is creative. We're constantly creating. It's just a matter of what it looks like. That's very cool. Um, before we get into more of the hot and cold therapy and breath work and things you're up to with Othership, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your experience um, in the darkness retreat. I, I only know of this through my friend Aubrey, who I think I haven't seen it yet, but I think did a short documentary about his experience. But the way he explained it to me was that it was, this is a person that's done a lot of work with psychedelics and, and whatnot, um, said that it was as if not more powerful than any experience in which he's taken something exogenously to explore consciousness. So how long ago did you do that? What were the nuts and bolts of it? Where was it? And give me some of the the highlights of that reel, if you will. Yeah, so that's... Once a year, I try to do some type of transformational work. And so one week, you know, 10 days away with no phone, it could be a psychedelic retreat. It could be a Vipassana or meditation style retreat. It could be something like the Hoffman process. Could Did be you do that? The Hoffman I'm doing this June. So oh, that's cool. this year's. Are you, are you doing the one in, uh, up in Napa? Calgary. In, oh, in wow. Canada. They have one up there? Oh, yeah, cool. I think there's a number. Oh, cool. Yeah. I did that a couple of years ago or a few years ago now and did a, did a podcast with one of the, uh, facilitators. Yes, I'd heard somebody message me over the break and was like, oh, this changed my life. This might, one of our friends, Ben Nempton from the, the Buried Life. And he was cool. like, it's changed my life. You've got to go. Like, really, like, you've got to go. And I was like, you know what? Fuck, I'm just going to book it now and make it work. Because all these things, it's like, oh, I've got to take a whole week off. It's not right. really a vacation. Um, so Def- I tried to definitely do, not. <laughs> yeah, so I tried to do that with no coffee, no caffeine, and just do a reset. Yeah. And um, so one year was the dark retreat. And before I, you know, people were kind of talking about it in our community. So we get a lot of people in other ship who are really interested in this kind of stuff. And like, oh, have you heard about it? Have you heard? I'm like, what? I'm like, what is this thing? It sounds insane. And then the more I looked into it, I was like, whoa, this is actually a super advanced meditation practice. So in some Eastern cultures, it represents the time from death to rebirth. So going through the bardos, it's called. And so there'll be a 47-day dark retreat that people do through adolescence to adulthood to master dying and the process before rebirth. (laughs) And it's very intense, right? Like you're sitting, I couldn't even, after eight days, couldn't even imagine that. So I'd heard about it. I did a Google search. I found this place called uh, Sky Cave Retreats. To my knowledge, I think the only place in the US, it's just outside of uh, Ashland, Oregon. Of course it is. Amazing guy who runs it. I, I talked to him on the phone and, you know, he'd done six months on retreat and, you know, a year in the wilderness. And so I was just talking to this guy, okay, this, like, he looks like he's figured something out. You know, his energy, he just feels like somebody that I, I want to embody or that, you know, would be a good teacher. And so that really encouraged me. So I booked, went out there and it's in the, like the woods, like you're, you're out in the middle of the woods, they have this amazing commune. They have a massive garden on it where they grow all the food for the people that are staying there. And it was kind of a whole different lifestyle. Just being part of that and seeing how like kids could be raised outside of the city was, was really cool. And so you, you go in and there's not much training. It's just a like, you're in, you know, and you kind of look around a little bit, shut the door, lights go out and you realize like, I can't even see my hand in front of my face. Darkness. Like a float tank. And then, it, yeah. And then you re- and they're like, okay, well, it doesn't adapt. And also, I didn't memorize the room. 
So like, you know, if you, if you even move <laughs> 15 degrees, like a wrong turn, you're lost in this tiny room. So I'd have to be on my hands and knees, like feeling around. Oh so, man! Hopefully, there's no sharp objects in there. It's a well, it's a cave, you know. There's there's a, there was just a bathtub, and I, I thought when I thought like this is so strange. Why is there just this bathtub and in the middle? And that was like the saving grace of the experience because it was a little bit cold, and with the cold, the fear comes. It's so the first two days. I, I was kind of afraid of the dark as a child. So in my basement. You know, uh, it would turn the lights off, it'd be dark, it'd run up the stairs, like super afraid. I was afraid of horror movies. And a lot of those fears were triggered. So as a human being, light and sight is where we get safety. So you wake up, first thing you do, you open your eyes, look around, I'm safe, I'm in this room, I'm, I'm alone. And so in the darkness, the first two days, you generally just sleep, there's no light. And so you have this, this long, like super dream-filled rest period. And I hardly left the bed. And if I was going to go to the bathroom, I'd feel a little bit nervous. You know, no one's going to grab you. But you kind of feel like maybe somebody is. And so there's just this subconscious, deep-seated fear from lacking sight, which was really interesting because you have to teach yourself to breathe in that state. And so the first two days were sleeping and then it was mastering fear and, and discomfort. And so I had asked him at night, how do I, how do, I do this? I'm, I'm struggling. So he would come once every night to drop off your food in like a little, they'd put it on one side and then you would open the other one in the dark, pull the food in. So like a no double light. door? Exactly. Oh, okay. Exactly. And so, you know, and then eating, it all comes in Tupperware containers. You don't know what anything is. You're kind of eating in the dark, sitting eating up. Eating with your hands? Eating with your hands. They would have like, yeah. a, like a plastic cutlery around for things. But a lot of stuff was like sandwiches and chips and stuff that's easy, like apple, that's easy to eat. Um, was the taste of food different with all of your senses being deprived? It wasn't super different. It was just, it was like uncomfortable to... Just you realize how much we rely on sight as our dominant and primary sense, like everything. Is there a toilet in this thing? There's a toilet. Okay. Yeah, there's a toilet. With I was same picturing though, like, like a bucket. <laughs> you obviously have to sit down. You have to find it. So there was running water and there was okay. a bath. And so after... You know, and you could take a hot bath? You could take a hot bath. Okay. And so that was, you know, dealing with the fear. You're kind of cold. It's this cave. It's dark. You'd wake up and every time you'd wake up, there's a panic. It's a sense of like... <gasps> Where am I? And, and you can't see anything. It just felt like you're being compressed. Like just, you know, and I also went in, I think I was overworked, 16 hour days, coffee. Like I missed the flight because I was on Twitter at the gate. Like just, it was like you're driving a race car, like <laughs> right into my language, bro. the wall. I've like, missed many a flight in my day. And so, you know, this was like the max, it was going maximum stimulation to minimum. And it just, I would have these dreams that I'd left. And then I was like, no, I couldn't do it. And it, they were so vivid. And then I would wake up. And so in the space, I think some of the learnings I took away were just this one technique when you're feeling discomfort and fear, like deep fear. It was a way to breathe. And he, and he had taught me, I said, I'm struggling. And so he taught me this technique of, okay, breathe, feel into your body, feel into your body, feel into your body let go, let go, let go. And then visualize a positive feeling, a time you felt positive before. Perhaps it was a time you were brave or stood up to a bully, something like that. And, and sit with that feeling until you shifted your state. And what's nice is in day to day, you just feel shitty. You, you just go on. Like you're, you know, okay, I'm busy. I've got my next email. I've got my thing. In the dark retreat, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> so you kind of like getting into the ice bath, like you have to relax you know, or else you're just going to be afraid the whole time. So it was a really nice way in a contained environment to deal with fear. I didn't find, I think people might be disappointed that had done psychedelic medicines and are going and like, wow, it's going to be this 
psychedelic trip. It's more of a, just an intense, as intense as can be meditation, long, grueling. There's no like spectacular fireworks and heart opening love. It's just, I'm here dealing with only my thoughts alone. And so in some ways it's a, it's a form of torture, but some ways it was super beautiful. So I would go, you know, be cold. Day three, I'm starting to get the hang of it, taking these warm baths and in the warm baths, expanding. So that was like the big, you know, the path. The like party, I got yeah, the bath yeah, today. Yeah. You, you try to make that last an hour and a half. And then around day three, four, some, some interesting openings started to happen. And, and I, this I, is eight days? It was eight days. You can kind of stay in as long as you want. You know, I'd actually thought I got COVID um, about day three. This is when in like the big pandemic. It's scary. You don't know. It's before the vaccines. And I, I started coughing. And so it was just like, you know, I'd heard some horror stories on the way there. I was like, I got the new strain. I'm going to die in here. They only come check on you once a day. And if you don't say anything, they might assume you're sleeping and I'm going to die in this cave. And so I was like, oh, you, you should leave. Like you're coughing so heavily, you should leave. And I was just like, fuck, I put on my email, you know, that I was going to go for this eight days. Like, and I only make it three. Like I'm going to have to go back to the team and be embarrassed. It was this like ego, like self-consciousness of like, you can't, don't be a quitter. Like, you can't quit. And then I realized I was allergic to something in the cave, like some type of dust. And every time I was sitting on this meditation cushion they had, it would blow the dust in my, my face. And so I was coughing so violently. But I just stuck it out. I was like, you know what? There's no way you're going to quit. And so I stuck it out. I realized that. I stopped sitting on the cushion. And so it got better after that. But that was pretty hardcore fear of like, what if you died here alone? And also and, just facing that, um, you know, that self-imposed... Um, um, determination of failure, right? I mean, I'm the same way when I commit to something, like I feel bad if I give up, you know? Yeah, there's also insecurity too. Like what are other people going to think? Like who cares really? But then, you know, I'd put it out there that I was going to do it. And so it was an interesting just test of will. And so you can go, you know, you could do two, if you just wanted to rest, it'd be such a nice weekend rest to just go in there and sleep for two days. I think that would be a good starter for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like I, I do great in float tanks, which some people find to be really uncomfortable. Um, just the claustrophobia, the acute loneliness of just being somewhere where there's no stimulation. But I, I like it a lot and I go longer than the normal time allotted usually. But when I heard about this darkness retreat, I was like, oh, hell no. Which, may, which for me makes me want to lean into something when I have a fear. It's like, well, what are you afraid of? And I'm like, I don't want to look at the thing I'm afraid of. <laughs> you know. But eight days, dude, that's, that's a long time. It, it was long. Like the two, two things. So that was the first learning was just dealing with fear and finding comfort in darkness. And as I was afraid of the dark as a child, there were these memories that came up of, you know, this movie Witches, uh, this movie It. They're like these villains yeah, yeah. that terrified me in nightmares when I was five years old. And I could see visuals of these villains, but they, it was kind of like they were retired. I'm like, oh, remember when we used to scare you as a kid? Like, you're not afraid anymore. And so I, it was really a mastering of fear in a very long setting. So that was a really interesting... Like exposure therapy. Exactly. Then, right? Yeah. So that was really interesting. And everyone I, I told about this, like, what are you talking about? This is insane. Like, nobody was like, fuck, yeah, I can't wait to do it. It's, a, it's out there thing. And then the second thing that was really interesting was in life, we're on the surface almost all the time, especially in, in a standard life. It's, you know, when, and even with some of these practices, I'm, I'm doing this every day. I wake up, what's my task list? I'm checking my phone every hour. You know, I've got these emails to send. I'm on social. I'm sending, like, it's just always stuff. And so you're only thinking 
about like what you need to do to survive. And maybe you have your five-minute meditation practice. Maybe you have a moment that's like awe-inspiring or lovely. But even in a relationship, like you get in these ruts and it's the same thinking patterns over and over and over. And so what this does, imagine you put up an umbrella and that same stuff that's raining down on you every day, all that stimulation is gone. And so all of a sudden, this like clarity comes of, okay, I'm not thinking about what I have to do tomorrow because I don't have anything to do. I'm just here. And so if stuff starts to come up, am I living a good life? Oh, wow. My parents are almost 70. Like mortality is, they might die soon. How am I going to feel about that? I'm halfway through my life, potentially. You know, what, should, what kind of changes should I make? Wow, this is so boring. What is missing? Connection. What does that feel like? How great is life? Mm, so just that's having... Cool. That's cool. It's almost like, you know, you read all these books to get insights and it's just like, okay, if you just stop, the insights are there and you're just taking away everything that's distracting you from them. So instead of having to listen and get others' insights, it's just a way to like go as deep as you can into who you are mixed with like, wow, this sucks and it's really long and, you know, around day five, you can't really sleep anymore. Before day five, the dreams get incredibly vivid. Almost That part is almost psychedelic. And then the, the, the one other thing that is memorable still after, you know, it's probably a year and a half, almost two years ago, was coming out. Oh, man. Like probably one of the best moments or most memorable. Like, I can still feel it in my body. It's about eight days. I'm like, hey, you know what? The goal was to do 10 uh, initially. And I was like, you know what? Eight is fine. There's no more ego and here. How could you tell that it was eight? Did you ask them when they came in? Or so something? he comes once a day to deliver oh, okay. the food. So you knew he came <laughs> Exactly. <eight times. laughs> you're, you're like, no. You're like, there's, there's nothing else to think about. Like, it's, you're, you know. You're like, okay, I made it. Like, if I could just do one more hour. You're scratching limes on the wall. One. <laughs> it's, it's hardcore. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I've made it. This is good enough. I don't have anything else to prove. The ego of 10 days, it's stupid. Like you got what you needed. And I'm like, I'm going to get out. As soon as I said, I'm going to get out of my mind, it was like a panic. So like running, like trying to find the door, like, fuck, where is it? I can't get, I can't get it open. I can't get it open. Like, it, and you can, you can leave anytime. Like there's no person. It's not like locked or anything. You can turn on the light anytime. And so I just, you know, finally like pull the door open and it was in the morning, still dark and like bu- buzzing. I, that's how I would say it. So I open my eyes, open the door, it's dark, but it was like I could see every molecule like in the air particles just buzzing. And it's like, wow, what is happening? And also the air in the cave wasn't super fresh. And so all of a sudden I'm in this like mountain outdoor area. With the, it felt like I was drinking cold water, like by breathing, just like the most refreshing cold water. And so I went and laid on the ground, just breathing in for, for probably 20 minutes. And then slowly the sun started to come up. And at first you saw, you realize that color is only a reflection of light. And with, with no light, there's, there's nothing. And so, you know, at first it was browns, dark, as like the sun started to come up and like a bit of greens. I'm kind of hugging the ground, just looking. And then when the sun sort of crested and I saw that first blue in the sky and the sun like hit me in the eye, it transported me to a moment when I was, I don't know why this moment, but a moment with my dad skiing as a kid where I saw the sun like fully in that moment of just pure joy being a child. So it's just like, wow. And I like, look down the hill and this dog comes running up, like massive sheepdog. And I just kind of hug the dog. It's the first kind of person I've interacted with. And I end up going for a walk, putting on some music. They had a creek there. So I did like a natural cold plunge. He had a beautiful sauna. And then I ate where, what I could see. And so in that like two hour, three hour, four hour stretch, 
just the, the beauty, absolute beauty of the simplest things of just seeing the sun, walking, breathing in fresh air, you know, being with the, with the dog in a, in a cold plunge, talking to people like, you know, 20 out of 10 life experience for the simplest, easiest things. So that was sort of the third major learning was just a reset on gratitude for life. Like how good the small things are. Wow. So cool. Um, The way it was described to me uh, included, I don't know if this is scientifically accurate, but um, when you're in darkness for that long, you're going to produce more melatonin. And if there's no light, you won't make any cortisol. And then this melatonin... Um, has the capacity to sort of um, downgrade or upgrade, I guess, in this case to um, endogenous DMT, which we know we have in our brains, um, well, probably in our whole bodies. But you didn't have any kind of kind of far out visions other than your dreams. Like you didn't, you never felt like a psychedelic or transcendent experience to the degree that one would with with taking plant medicines or something of that nature i thought there was transcendent experience in thought patterns so there was open like heart openings in that same way but they're sort of earned like you're you're you know if you take a five meo like you're on the journey it's going you don't have control you're just letting go in this case you're still cognizant the whole time so there was no explosion it was like a slow gentle build with state shift from lack of stimulation. And there are, there are visuals. So you're looking in the dark and things are happening. Like there was moments where I felt like I was in a, in a courtyard with dark, like almost in Harry Potter, like Voldemort's <laughs> layer, like pretty scary shit, you know, with these shadows that are coming toward it. And you can't really make it stop because you can't, you close your eyes, it's the same thing. <laughs> and so there are scary visuals, but it's not like a, you know, an ayahuasca or DMT experience where it's like, Got it. I'm on this journey. So it was more, it was much more subtle, challenging. Um, it's just kind of a different thing. I wouldn't say it's better or worse. I would put like dark retreat here, psychedelic medicine experience here, deep meditation retreat here. And they're all kind of different ways of getting to a similar place. I like it. Yeah. Um, the house of God has many windows. All right. So tell me the name of the place again. It was called Sky Cave Retreat. Sky Cave Retreat. All right, you guys, we're going to put that in the show notes, which will be lukestory.com slash, can't say S's very well, slash Robbie. lukestory.com slash Robbie. We'll put that in there along with anything else we talked about today. A common request from lifestyleist listeners is a breakdown of my top five non-negotiable supplements. After a couple decades of research, I'd have to say that vitamin K2 easily makes that list. Nearly every American adult has insufficient levels of vitamin K2. It's simply not available in the modern Western diet. Why does this matter? Well, a K2 deficiency can cause major issues, including coronary artery disease, heart disease, bone spurs, kidney stones and liver stones, plaque in your heart vessels, and even major cardiac events. In 1990, the Rotterdam study looked at people from eastern Japan who consumed high amounts of K2. More than 8,400 participants were given 50 micrograms of natural K2 on a daily basis for more than 10 years, and the results were insane. Participants of the study showed a 50% decrease in cardiovascular events and mortality, a 25% decrease in all-cause mortality, And finally, a 25% increased rate of living longer and healthier. It's crazy what they found in this study. So now you can see why I'm into taking K2 every single day of my life. And my favorite source is from a company called Just Thrive. 
Their vitamin K2 is the only product on the market with 320 micrograms of pharmaceutical grade K2-7, which is the optimal daily amount. This is the K2 I use and trust because it's microbiologist formulated and clinically tested and supports healthy heart, circulation, brain, bones, and nerves, and even encourages healthy blood sugar levels. So for exceptional gut and immune health, there's nothing like Just Thrive. And right now you can get 15% off everything Just Thrive carries when you go to justthrivehealth.com and use the code LUKE15 at checkout. That's justthrivehealth.com and the code is LUKE15. Okay, so let's talk about... uh, something we have in common and that is our our battles with addiction what did that look like for you what was your poison where did it take you give me the gnarlies i love stimulants always have my brain i, I did some of the genetic testing my brain clears dopamine super fast and so like if i watch a netflix show i can watch you know 20 hours if i'm reading a fantasy book i can read the whole book in one sitting if i'm working i can go two days and i, I can get really ramped up so if you're like hey man Let's compete at this thing. Boom. Dopamine triggers. Like, let's fucking go, you know? And so for, for partying, I started with alcohol, you know, in, in high school, pretty, pretty early, probably like 14, you know, loved cannabis, alcohol, graduated to ecstasy, then graduated to cocaine. And that was probably about 18, 19. And uh, alcohol and cocaine became, you know, for me almost every single weekend throughout university. Were and you then, in the cocaine in your nose or in a pipe? In nose. Oh, okay. Did you ever hit the pipe? Never hit the pipe. Smart wasn't, man. Yeah, it wasn't uh, around. Very, very intelligent choice. <laughs> wasn't around my group of friends. So yeah. never wasn't exposed to heroin or uh, like crack. Probably because um, you didn't live in Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver's a pretty gnarly spot. I've been there a long time, but I understand heroin is ubiquitous there. Yeah, so uh, I just loved socializing and I felt pretty insecure. And so for me going out, first thing would be like, you know, in Toronto is power drinking. So, you know, I'd easily have six, seven, eight, ten drinks. A gram of cocaine, two grams of cocaine, and then I'd be out until, you know, six, seven a.m., something like yeah, that. Son. And then that graduated. And that was kind of okay. It would happen just on the weekends. And it was my early 20s. I got to be about like 27, 28. And it was really starting to impact my relationships, um, my work. So I started to be like, you know, getting home five, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. with a group of friends to, okay, now I'm by myself and it's 11 a.m. and it's the next day and then I'm drinking <laughs> again and it's, you know, 48 hours of oh, God. partying and then... Oh, that gives, me, that gives me chills. There's maybe no... Well, there's a lot of bad feelings in life, but one of the most creepy feelings um, that I experienced untold, an untold number of times is when you're like coming down off drugs and the sun's coming up and the rest of the world is up like getting ready for work and stuff. Cause I used to, well, I don't want to steal your story, but one quick story that was like at the lowest of lows in my addiction was when I was using a lot of crack, which is why I asked if you hit the pipe, um, which I would definitely not recommend to anyone ever do even once. It's the worst fucking thing ever. I'd be smoking crack all night and then I would want to keep going. And so I'd go out like, I'd still be going to eight or nine in the morning. I would walk around Hollywood Boulevard, like looking for dealers. Most of them would leave when the sun came up. And talk about like the most demoralizing, shameful, depressing, sad thing in the world is watching other 
air quotes, normal people, like waking up and starting their day and you're the fucking loser and no judgment against people that are still doing that. If you're listening, you know, I hope you make it through. But um, those were, I think the darkest times for me it was not even those times like alone with myself coming down, but coming down and trying to not come down while the world is like spinning around you, especially in a big city and just being out with the bright sun, just going like, oh my God, dude, you are a fucking loser. Your life is over. And with the contrast, I guess the contrast of being around other people and the way that they probably see you as you are a yellow, skinny, strung out kid on the streets of Hollywood. I mean, just the worst. If I've ever thought about, eh, maybe I could have a glass of wine. Like I just go back there and I'm like, even if I could, I don't want to find out the hard way. So I stay on the path. But anyway, um, more about you. So this started to this started to progress where it's not like partying with the homies. You're waking up the next morning and you're supposed to show up somewhere and be responsible to someone or something and you're falling apart, I assume. Yeah, so like a couple of things that like came to mind. I moved into this really nice hotel in Toronto and so I'm trying to run a startup and you know, it's no longer Friday and Saturday night. That's happening and I'm missing work on Monday. Then it's like, you know, I'm going out for a glass of wine on Wednesday. And it's like, oh, maybe just a little bump. Okay, a little bump then to go to sleep. You know, that's in my mind. I'm just going to take a little bit of Coke and go to sleep. And then, <laughs> you know, and then it would be once a week. I would I be love the logic there. It, it, like, oh, one drink's fine. A little bump will be super fun. And then, you know, I'd be driving into work but without sleeping, machine gunning cigarettes, like red eyed. Even, you know, you take two showers, you still smell like alcohol and and drugs and I would drive into work and then go into work and I was like, what am I, you know, then I would sleep in my car midday when I came down, like in the, in the back seat and I'd bring a pillow and a couple moments, you know, I was living in this, this super fancy hotel and I would be up all night and I, the bar would open at 11 a.m. And so I would, you know, be waiting 11 a.m. And I would go down That's to the a bar. a long wait. With a, <laughs> with a, the liquor stores in Hollywood would open at 6 a.m. And that was a long wait. 11 a.m., I couldn't make it. And so I would have, you know, baseball cap on. I'd go down and just order four shots and a bottle of wine to take up to my room. And I can only imagine what the person is like thinking. Like this guy's red eyes. He just on his own, like Thursday morning, drinks four shots and, you know, goes up to his room. And so that period was probably two, three years of like, whoa, this doesn't feel good. This isn't normal. This isn't just like, because in university, it was kind of normal. And, you know, there'd be a big group. Everyone would go out for brunch the next day. It was, wasn't, didn't feel like a problem. Even in my early 20s, it didn't feel like a problem. And then around 26, 27, this stuff started happening as a kid. This is like, you know, you're walking around in the daytime looking at people like, this is a fucking problem. Like, and then I tried Cocaine Anonymous, tried Alcohol Anonymous. Um, didn't really work for me. I tried a Vipassana retreat, which like worked a little bit. And it was the final straw was a, an ayahuasca ceremony. Not the first time, but the second time I went to Peru. And I really went with the intention of like, I don't want to do cocaine ever again. And through that ceremony, I realized, like, okay, well, the problem is alcohol. You know, you're having two drinks and then it's loosening your willpower. You're putting yourself in these situations all the time. Like, why? You know? And so that's when it finally stopped. So, but I, I tried to quit for three, four years. Would have like two months sobriety and then step back and feel like guilty and then would have these binges. And then about 30, 31, uh, moved to Israel, did the Vipassana, a few months later did the ayahuasca and then have been sober ever since. Wow, good for you, man. I find um, that this path, when I got sober, your only options were going to a treatment center followed by a lot of 12-step meetings, which I took to like a fish to water and it worked for me great um, for 
well, for until now, <laughs> 25 years later. Um, but a few years ago, I started to meet people and this is what actually led me into having the curiosity to explore plant medicines and, and whatnot in, a, in an intentional way, obviously. Um, but I started meeting people like you that were like, oh, I was on Coke, I was drinking, blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't stop myself. And I went and uh, participated in a ceremony and I got sober. And I remember when I first started meeting, it was on the podcast, I started meeting people that had that experience. And I'm like, this makes no sense because the paradigm of sobriety I come from, which is the most well-tested and well-worn, at least in our recent history, there were probably sober people and tribal nations and things that used plant medicines before. But as far as like Western culture, 1935 Alcoholics Anonymous pops out of nowhere and has affected millions and millions of people's lives positively. But part of that model is um, total abstinence because like you explained, um, that was my experience too. I'd be like, well, I just got to lay off the Coke or the heroin or whatever, um, but I can still drink, you know? And then this inevitably would always end up at the same destination, no matter what the initial, you know, um, substance was. So when I started meeting people that the way I interpreted it in the beginning was like, wait, you did drugs and it made you get off drugs. How does this make sense? You know, but over the years, of course, I've learned and I think um, just grown more curious about that phenomenon. And, and I think what it is, is that what Alcoholics Anonymous does, I mean, it does a lot, but at the core of it, really the purpose, the stated purpose of that program, for example, is to elicit a spiritual experience. And the funny thing about this is, and I've done some podcasts kind of touching on this, the foundation of Alcoholics Anonymous, and let's just call that like all of the 12 steps and all of its permutations and all the different problems people have, right? There's an anonymous for just about any personality disorder or addiction. But it was founded upon the co-founders, Bill Wilson's um, famous white light experience which he experienced um, kind of in the DTs in a treatment center in a hospital. A couple days after he had been weaned off of alcohol with a plant medicine called belladonna. It was this formula they used to use to dry drunks out. And so he had this psychedelic experience a couple days later, had a spiritual experience on the Natch and got sober from that. And then, you know, the rest is history. And, and then he sought out to help people have a spiritual experience. So from that perspective, it actually makes sense that if someone has a deeply transcendent experience using, you know, air quotes, again, a drug, right? 5-MeO, ayahuasca, psilocybin, LSD, whatever it is, um, it makes sense that one could have the experience of the divine, of God, of higher states of consciousness that could then render them sober. And, uh, and you're not the first person I met that's had this experience. The interesting thing to me about it is that just having a peak or a series of peak experiences, it could remove kind of that demon from your personality, like that glaring flaw of addiction, but it doesn't necessarily give you a framework of principles by which to live that change your moral compass and your inherent character. You know, so I, there's no question in this. I'm just kind of sharing my perspective with you. Um, it seems that one not only needs a deeply transformative experience, but following that, and I guess this is what we call integration in the realm of working with medicines and stuff, is that one kind of needs some sort of philosophy or framework 
by which to live so that you can, or practices, which we're about to talk about. I like to share this because I have had a lot of experience in these realms at this point. You have to have some sort of, well, you don't have to do anything, but I think it's the longevity of one's sobriety and quality of life is not only dependent on that peak experience, but in the unfolding of some sort of spiritual framework or practices that keep you going, right? Whether or not you choose to go have one of those experiences again. So you got sober on this ayahuasca retreat in Peru. How did things like breath work and hot and cold therapy that have now merged into this thing that I'm seeing is going global for you? That's my vision for you with othership. How did you start using those as integration tools to keep that going? And what other kind of teachings or tools have you used? You mentioned Vipassana retreats so that you, you have something of your own to build on, right? Because one can get sober. There's an old saying in AA, what do you get when you uh, sober up a horse thief? You got a sober <laughs> horse thief, right? And I, when I first got sober, dude, I used to steal from my job. Like I was a scoundrel, but I was sober. So I, you know, I didn't have the kind of the morals and the, the compass to, to guide me yet. And thankfully, I hopefully have learned that by now. <laughs> Definitely not stealing from anyone. Um, so what was your experience of that afterward? You know, how did you start to integrate some of these other practices so that you weren't like, oh, bing, my head got blown off by ayahuasca and now I'm just back to being me again? I think, I mean, this is the, like such a good point in the conversation because you hear so much of, oh, and even the way I was telling the story, it wasn't the ayahuasca that got me sober. It was the ayahuasca that gave me a period of time to make habit change. And so when you come back from that first experience, like I feel amazing, I can do anything, my willpower is stronger. Every time I do one of these transformational experiences, especially with psychedelics, I feel there's a window to make change in behavior, but it's not sufficient to guarantee you'll make that change. Right, and right. so I, there's a, Gabor Mate has a movie, The Jungle Prescription, and they send heroin addicts to do ayahuasca. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, the, the remission rate, spoiler alert, is, or whatever, I don't know if it's remission is the right word, but the, you know, people who are doing relapse. drugs, relapse rate, 99%. What? And massive. And so... God, I can't believe that. Well, the problem is if you go back, and I've actually seen this with friends as well, who are like, hey man, you quit drugs. Like, what'd you do? Like, oh, this retreat, I want to go. And, and like, that's kind of the, it's hard going through the ayahuasca. It's brutal. But... It's still easy. Like it's seven days, 10 days, you do some journaling, you do a diet, you go. What's hard is you come home and same friends, same job, same thought patterns. You don't change your thought patterns you've been building for, you know, if you're 40, for 30, since you're three, four, five years old. So you can't just, like I have the same things I'm working on for 10 years. It's the same intentions, the same deep down inner critic. Um, so I think you come home and the chances that you are changed, as you said, they're not, you're just sober. And so for people who are listening, I think the plant medicines help give you a chance to change, but then the change comes at home. So what worked for me, what was super lucky is that my, I met this partner and she was super into health and wellness. And so it was, hey, <laughs> let's... you're like, well, I better, I better get on this or yeah, she's she, going to be gone. And she just, she supported me. So one thing, like I'm not different, like I still have problems with dopamine and excessive stimulation. So I drink coffee. Like refreshing apps. Yeah, <laughs> so that I try not to do, but I love coffee. I love work. So now my addiction is work. It's slightly more healthy, but it's, you know, still not great. I love ice baths. Like anything that's going to make me feel alive, I'll do. And so it's taking like, look, you can't just become abstinent at your house, having no fun sitting there. 
So that was the impetus for Othership was like, can we make something at night? Like, I don't want to go to AA. I don't want to sit in a church basement. It works for some people. It made me feel not good. And I also didn't want to go to therapy. You know, I'd go one-to-one and I do Zoom and it's valuable, but it's not like Friday night. Let's do a therapy session. And I didn't want to be in restaurants. I didn't want to be in bars. I didn't want to be in nightclubs because that would lead to like, oh yeah, I can have a drink. And so my, my wife and I, she was like, oh, why don't we go try this ice bath? I've heard about it on these wellness podcasts. Let's go do it. So we found a Russian spot like 30 minutes out of town in a little strip mall. We went to this bathhouse and our, our first date was a sauna and, you know, cold plunge. Great plan. Great first plan. I just felt, fuck, this is amazing. If one, of you, if one of you didn't like it, you could have compatibility issues. <laughs> yeah, so we, so we did know. that. And like, usually you're on a date, you're like, oh, do I look cool? Like, what am I going to say? Do I have any jokes to tell? Like, you know, you're kind of nervous. And it was just the ice bath. You're both feeling, you're pinging. No one's on their phone. You're kind of in a bathing suit and a, a robe. You're, you know, you're not all dressed up. And uh, it just was amazing. And so we started doing that every single weekend for, for years. While well, I worked at Ethereum, we lived in San Francisco. We lived in Berlin. We'd always grab a crew on a Friday night and be like, hey, well, let's all go to the bathhouse together. We'd make WhatsApp groups, be at a conference, like, let's all go to the bathhouse. And every time, like the next day, you'd wake up and, you know, it kind of gives you that stimulation that you're getting from drugs, but in a healthy way, like it's actually raising your sustained dopamine levels. So if you struggled with cocaine and stimulants, the ice bath can help repattern. And so you hear a lot about it for like inflammation and immune system and all these things. And it's great. It's definitely a biohacking tool. But for me, it was a it was a repatterning for for drug addicts, and I've actually seen like one to like legitimately one hundred percent of people that like cocaine use love the ice bath, and it's just it's you know nature's cocaine in some ways. So you're you're feeling this massive boost in dopamine, but it's healthy, and so that is a tool daily, extremely powerful. That combined with breath work, the ability to shift my state, like I needed to do things that were fun for me. So having a supportive partner that was like down to adventure and keep me honest, but still like leaning into my personality. And some of these things that an addict has are, are superpowers. So I can outwork anybody, you know, <laughs> I can get, I can. That's very true. Right. And, yeah. and so it's just leaning into what is my personality. And like, I'm not changing it, but, but putting guardrails in place with friends and family. And then if I need stimulation, yeah, I'll go, I'll do an ice bath. I'll maybe do a deep breath work. And so those tools were like the bazooka for people who are struggling to maybe meditate or, you know, therapy is not working. These are things that change your state instantly, that reset your neurochemistry, that make you feel better. Um, so that for me was, that was the, the goal was like, okay, meditation sort of works, psychedelic sort of worked, but they're not really working for my, my friends. Like meditation's really hard. You know, it's just, it requires a ton of discipline. You sit down, your mind's racing. It's like, am I doing this right? You can do it for 30 days and still feel, I don't know if I've got it. So most people fall off. And then therapy, there's massive lines. It's quite expensive. You have to bear your soul to people. So it's, there's a lot of friction for both of those. Whereas like, you know, you jump in an ice bath, you do some breath work, you listen to some music, you make both of those fun and community driven. There's almost no friction to get started. So those tools for me, when I started doing them, they really took away the urge to take drugs. And I knew if I wanted to take drugs, I would do that instead. And eventually the urge to do drugs, I just, I just stopped thinking about it. Wow, so cool. Yeah, I'm envious of youngsters like you that um, were able to have access to those experiences early on. I, I suffered for quite a few years when I first got sober because, I mean, I was actually going to Russian banyas and Korean spas and doing hot and cold and stuff like that um, and all kinds of different, before it was called biohacking, <laughs> doing biohacking stuff, the infrared saunas and all the things. Colonics were big back in the day. 
in the nineties. Um, but I think now like, God, if I would have, someone turned me on to microdosing, breath work, daily hot and cold, and being able to do those things with like-minded people, I would have had, I think, much less suffering. But it is what it is. You know, the suffering, of course, um, probably has a lot to do with why I sit down and talk to people like you and share these conversations. So I want to alleviate for other people, but I just want to tell you, you're lucky you, you came into the sober game at the time you did, especially since, you know, sitting in church basements and AA meetings didn't resonate with you for whatever reason. I might add too that not all meetings are created equal. You know, I, absolutely. And I, there's no. I think this is a fantastic program. Yeah, it's helped yeah. millions of people. It just for me, the the few that I went to, yeah. I just felt, dude, like there's something wrong with me. If you, okay, everything has its level of consciousness, yeah. right? Including each collective consciousness of every little micro twelve step group out in the world. Um, and I, I don't, I don't go to meetings personally myself at this point in my life. Um, but I did for a long time. And I mean, if you walked into one that was like low consciousness, it could definitely be less than helpful, right? And there are others you walk in and you're just like, oh my God, the love in this room is transformative. And you see, you know, street people starting to come into the meeting and a couple of weeks go by and now the guy's showered and is sober and his mental illness is improving. I mean, it's, it's incredible, but um, it doesn't, necessarily appeal to all people. So I'm excited that there are other ways that you're describing now kind of in your path. There are a lot of other alternatives for people that are that are suffering and, you know, need a different flavor. And I think you can combining all of those things or whatever combination suits your personality type, um, you can make it much further, much faster in terms of just regaining your your true self and developing spiritual practices that help you not only feel better, but become a productive member of society and do things like you're doing with othership. You know, there's just, the land is rich now with opportunities for people, especially people with addictions, you know? So um, thank you for sharing that. If you follow me on social media, you've likely seen me using these gold metal cubes or wearing this trivia looking gold capsule necklace. And if you were to take a spin in my car, visit my house, you'd see them everywhere. All of these devices are created by a super rad company called Leela Quantum. I use them to neutralize EMF, improve the quality of my blood, and even charge all of my food with quantum energy. This quantum energy exists in everything. Every unit of matter in the universe contains quantum energy, and our bodies and brains constantly interact with these quantum energy fields. What Leela Quantum does is develop and study this quantum energy to create products that activate the body's self-healing powers and strengthen our biofield. In fact, in one such study, the Emoto Institute in Japan, famous for their water research, studied several Leela Q products. And they showed that after placing a sample of water in the quantum block for just three minutes, it was able to restructure the water into its optimal natural state. And that's pretty impressive considering our bodies are made of mostly water. And you can see the long list of randomized, placebo-controlled, single, and double-blind studies proving the great benefits of their products for yourself. Just check out the research tab on their website. It's pretty damn impressive. Visit leelaq.com to learn more. And while you're there, get 10% off your first order with the code LUKE10. That's L-E-E-L-A-Q, leelaq.com. What's happening in your Toronto location, which I'm really disappointed. It, it sounds very far, and thanks for the invite in February. I have other plans, but it sounds hella far for me. Living in the middle of Texas, you realize like everything's super far. 
it's kind of like living on an island. It's sort of weird. But um, on your site, there's a few photos where you can see like these giant 50-person saunas. It looks super vibey. It does not look like an old school Russian banya or Korean spa in a mini mall in the suburbs. It looks super high level. So what's the space like? What are the experiences like? And who builds your freaking saunas? They look really cool. Yeah, so uh, Harry and Amanda, who I had mentioned, had trained in Europe um, to be like off-goose sauna masters. So it's a a term, uh, I think originated in maybe Germany slash Finland. And it's it's an art kind of a performative art. So it's, you know, the use of essential oils and different smells, different temperatures, dancing, waving the towel to create performance. And so our classes are partly inspired by the traditional off-goose, which, you know, they live and trained. Uh, Harry and Amanda, myself, Miles, we've been to over probably 100 bathhouses worldwide. And they were so detail-oriented, they would go in the saunas, measure them, look exactly (laughs) what they want, ask about what kind of wood... Um, they trained with one of the world champions and lived at his house for a, a number, a bit of time. So they actually custom built the sauna, the dimensions, wow. the heater. So it's an internal um, expertise. And then we have an amazing uh, designer to, who created like the vibe. And so the space itself is meant to feel like a social space, but also we call it the house of transformation. And so there's three types of classes. And so it's to my knowledge, the first ever classes, emotional wellness classes in a sauna and ice bath at that scale. So you'll come in, there's a guide, there's a fire, everyone sits around the fire in stadium seating and the classes have... Is this inside the sauna or this like is, in the tea this room? This is out in the tea room. Oh, there's, so you'll a, kind of meet there's in an the, actual fire? Yeah. Oh, you meet in the tea room and the, the idea is like humans have gathered around a fire for since the beginning totally. of time and we wanted to create a place where you can, you know, it's hot and cold, but socializing is important. So you'll come in, the classes might be one of three things. So there's up classes and that's like almost like a fitness class. So you'll have vocalizations and roars, movement, maybe some squats, really getting the energy up. The music might be electronic or hip hop. It's very much like if you've been to Berries or Soul Cycle, it's that kind of vibe. It's really ramping up your energy. And there's down classes. Kind of like the app. You have up, down, and then... And all around. And all around. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's the third one. Yeah. So the down classes are meditative. So think candlelight, sound baths, introspection, asking questions about your emotions, some gentle stretching, very relaxing. That's but, more my steez. Yeah, like a little more <laughs> exciting than yeah. a traditional meditation class, right? Yeah, so you've yeah. got the hot, cold to help you break down those barriers. And then the signature classes are the, the all around. And these are oh, really okay. meant to be therapy light classes. And so your anger release, your shame release, your, we have one called the rose thorn bud. And so the rose is your best moment of your year with rose essential oil on the stove. Then it's your thorn, what you're struggling with. Lights go out in the sauna, someone's playing a gong. You bring to mind that moment, you scream it out. 50 people just, ah. Then it moves into your bud. So it's your intention for the year. So you're slowly teaching people these emotional regulation qualities. Because in a sauna, there's no phones, you're actually captive. Whereas in a workout class, you're, you're working out. So you, you have someone for 15, 20 minutes to teach them a skill or take them through a journey. So each class has towel waving, performance, different scents, and then some emotional regulation. Um, there's a couples class where you come in, you'll do three minutes of massage. Your partner will massage you for three minutes. You'll do some eye gazing. You'll go in the tub together. You'll come out, you'll hug each other to warm up. So it's a mixture of classes every day, drop-ins. So you know it's midday, you just want to we're, you're in town, we want to go for coffee, we go for a quick hot cold instead. And then at night, there's socials. Because the big thing was like, do people want wellness parties? 
And our backgrounds are in hospitality. My partner owned a bunch of restaurants, nightclubs. He's also on a sobriety journey as well. And so it's like, oh, could we create, you know, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night vibe? And so that's been, that was a question and something that now is just, it's slammed. And so, you know, you want to meet a girl, you want to go on a date, you want to have a birthday, you want to bring a bachelorette, you want to go with friends, but in a way that it's not people wasted falling all over. So we, we had a party on New Year's, complimentary. We just told everyone in the community, hey, if you want to come, it's free tonight. We're going to be sharing lockers. Don't bring any valuables. And we programmed a 10-minute breath work, started at 11.50, ended at midnight on a hold, 10, 9, 8, with a giant roar <laughs> oh, of excitement with 100 great. people in the space all doing the breath work and then like high-fiving, giving hugs. Wow. And so it's like, that's a moment that's usually spent in a nightclub, wasted, that now you're still doing it socially, but actually setting a real intention for the new year. So the space is really a combo of emotional wellness work and making that, making it like cool. You know, it doesn't have to be I'm going to my therapist because I'm depressed. It can be twice a week. I work on loving kindness at Othership. I go and I think of people I love and I do it in the hot and cold. And it's my emotional wellness practice. And then at night, if you need that stimulation, you don't want to drink, you want to go out, you want to party, but in a way that's healthy, it's that too. Wow. Um, I, I, can I give you some unsolicited business advice? Yeah, let's go. Uh, I say you cancel the leases in New York, <laughs> get one here in Austin. I would be on that shit on the regular. I'm kidding about canceling. Obviously, you couldn't and wouldn't, but uh, do, are there any plans by chance of exploring here? Surprisingly, that's why I'm also here. No way, dude. Yes, I'm looking at two spaces. We so. need you, bro. 2025, 20, end of 2024 would be the goal, but we'll see. So, I'm, and again, very, very early, but exploring uh, two spaces. Well, I can tell you, uh, there is a massive, you might probably already figured that out, a massive community of like-minded people here. I think many of whom, like me, have moved from New York or LA and wanted a little mellower life and a bit more freedom or whatever called us here. Uh, but man, I mean, I you could throw a rock and hit someone that's into breath work and hot and cold i mean it's just like i don't ever meet anyone here that doesn't have that as a lifestyle practice so please do humble request in the meantime i'll use the app and my own ice bath and sauna if i had a couple of homies over but that that's just man i think you're on to something so so cool there you're gonna put a lot of therapists god bless them out of business um, because so much can happen in community and state change and intentions and all the things that you're describing. Um, with your model in Toronto, you have, you have what do you say, like a tea room or something? Yeah. Have you guys played around with like serving kava or anything like that in there? So we haven't now. This is kind of like a, it was the smallest possible space. We, it's probably the smallest bathhouse in the world. Like it's only 3,000 square feet, but still 50 person sauna, four ice baths, tea room. And the goal was like, hey, do, do people want this? Like does the average Joe or Jane want to come in and work on their emotions. And we were like, okay, we think it's amazing, but are we crazy? And the result after one year is like, yeah, people 100% want yeah, this. Have you got so, a wait list? Like yeah, so the new spaces are 100-person sauna, eight ice baths, quite a bit bigger tea room. So in this space, we had no room for, like we just have on tap uh, sparkling water, water, teas, all that stuff's complimentary. And then it was very much a, you know, very low um, frills in terms of amenities. So something like having a kava night would be amazing, you know. Have uh, you ever tried this uh, drink called Feel Free? I have. Yeah, the yeah. Kratom and kava yeah, combination. Yeah. 
Um, I always issue, you know, a caution there. I I don't ever drink a whole one. I think it says on the bottle drink yeah. a quarter, which is about what I drink. But if you drink a whole one of those, like you're you're lit. That's <laughs> it's pretty strong, but it makes some people nauseous. I think because of the the kratom and whatnot. But but I I hit them. I keep a case of it around, you know, and I like to do a little quarter. Oftentimes I forgot today, but I'll do it before a podcast. But I find that particular drink is a really great social lubricant. And if you just use like a quarter dose, you can make like a mocktail that's tasty with some juice or sparkling water or whatever, and it tastes really good. And it's, it's the best as a former, you know, uh, avid fan of alcohol. I would say in 25 years, it's by far the best alcohol substitute that I've found that is relatively free of side effects if you go easy on it. If any of your listeners want an opportunity here when we open these two spaces in New York... This isn't really our expertise. We'd rather partner. So if people have good ideas they want to send us for non-alcoholic beverages, send away and we'd be happy to to partner. Yeah, it'd be neat to have like a tonic bar and just have different options or even, you know, things that are stimulating too for people that want to buzz that way. Nootropics potentially, stuff that's legal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, super cool. Um, Let's talk about the app. So I got the app. You guys sent me a link and thank you for that, by the way. The other day I, I emailed you and I, I... I was using it wrong. I didn't think I was logged in, but I just wasn't hitting the right buttons. And you're like, give Luke lifetime access. So thank you for that. That was a really uh, an amazing gift. One of the many benefits of having a podcast. But uh, in anticipation for our conversation today, I was like, well, I need to do a bunch of these so I really can speak from experience. Um, And dude, I got to say, it's freaking badass. I mean, I love breath work. Uh, You know, it's something that I've been doing for a long time. But it's also something that I'm not going to go full on unless I'm in a, a group session with a sound bath and the whole thing, right? Like if I come up here in the, in the loft and do some breath work, I'm going to do like five minutes or something, right? And just get a little buzz and activate or calm down whatever I'm going for. I'll do some, you know, Kundalini yoga, Kriya or something like that, which is kind of how I first got into, you know, call it breath work. But there's a lot of advanced breathing stuff within that tradition that can be pretty profound. Um, but I just won't do it. It's like working out, man. If I go work out with some buddies or God forbid, go to a gym, like, yeah, I'll put in an hour. If I work out on my own, I'm going to go get my X3 bar in the backyard for like five minutes to be like, yeah, good job, Luke. I'm out. You know, it's just, it's not called, I, I think I said this in one of y'all's promos that they don't call it breath work for nothing. Like the ramp up period. And, and you guys say this a lot in the guided, um, sessions on the app, you're like, okay, you guys, I know this is hard right now, but like we're almost to the threshold. And it's so true in breath work where you start doing it, it is like working out, you know, depending on the the style, but it's, oh man, it's like, oh God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. There'll be, there's resistance, but then you do hit this threshold and you just gain momentum, kind of like running, right? I'm not a big jogger, but you run, it's, it sucks at first. And then you hit your stride and you're like, I could do this forever. It's really like that. But a couple of things I like about, um, the app is that there is such a variety of duration. Sometimes I don't want to do an hour. Like I want to do 10 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever. But if I want to do an hour and go deep, which I've done, I think the third eye one was about an hour. um, Then it's there. And an hour sounds like a long time. But once I get in there and get activated, next thing you know, they're like, okay, last song. So I, I like that. And also um, the music is really good and there's a lot of variety in the music. And I now, I think, know Amanda and Harry, right? They're, they're, they're some of the yeah, leaders, right? Yeah. Guides. Yeah, so like 
your voice, I know, um, prior to meeting you, their voices. I like that there's um, a couple different guides in many of them. So like you'll be doing it and then Amanda takes over and there's all these different little sections and I find that there's enough novelty in it that it kind of keeps my interest. Um, and I did two nights ago, one of the 10 minute sleep ones. And I'll be honest, I was a little skeptical. I'm like, nothing makes me tired. Like I literally just have so much energy. It's very hard for me to go to bed. Once I go to bed, usually sleep well, but like getting there, it's hard to get myself in bed and relax. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it because I'm doing this interview. I want to see what happens. Dude, I was falling asleep at the end of the 10 minutes and I was like bummed. I had to get up and put my (laughs) headphones away. You know, I was like, oh man, I want to do this and just like, be ready to actually fall asleep, which I was, and I still had to get up and turn the lights off and stuff. So I was like, you guys cracked a code. So congrats on that. All right, y'all, it's 2023, and I sense that this year is going to require some serious brain power to accomplish whatever goals we plan to complete. So I'll ask you, are you like me, sometimes finding it difficult to focus during the day or notice yourself zoning out when you're trying to complete a task? Do you sometimes have trouble recalling names, dates, or where you left things? Well, I found a badass new solution to this sluggish brain situation. Newtopia, a bioptimizers company, has created a brand new one-of-a-kind product called Collagenius. Collagenius is a powdered blend of five potent superfoods, collagen, and 1.2 pounds of four concentrated mushrooms. It's got lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, and chaga. And let me tell you, this cutting-edge blend is a powerful way to rebuild your brain and rewire it for maximum energy, focus, and performance in less than 30 days. Now, I usually toss a scoop in my morning smoothie or for a more potent blend, I sometimes mix it with my morning coffee to transform it into a delicious mood-boosting mocha. But no matter how you take it, it's going to light up your brain just like it does mine. For an exclusive listener offer... Go to newtopia.com slash lukegenius and use the code LUKE10 during checkout to save 10%. Again, head over to newtopia.com slash lukegenius. That's N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A. And there's no risk to try it because you're protected by a 365-day full money-back guarantee. So go score some Call of Genius now. Your brain will thank you later. Questions would be around what I'm experiencing in the app is um, where does the music come from and how did you guys figure out how to do the sequencing of breath? Something I found unique about it um, in contrast to past breath work that I've done is there's a lot of variation. There's like, you know, there's the inhale 12 and then exhale 15 and then it jumps to like two seconds in, two seconds out and there's all these kind of different changes that seem to be ubiquitous throughout the the few journeys that I've tried. So who's doing the music? How'd you guys come up with like how to do the breath work? And and after you answer that, let's get into some of the science for the science-minded people that are finding the rest of this way too woo-woo. Yeah, let's do it. So I, I think a mixture of just being like hardcore power users of breath work. And so we had first tried Wim Hof and that was, you know, the up-regulated style cyclical breathing. Wow, this is like holy shit! Fifteen minutes, like you can you can feel this. This is changing your state. Wow! And so then we kind of started. You know, read James Nestor's book Breath. And I'm then, the only idiot that hasn't read that book yet. Everyone just like read it except me. I need to get on that. Thank you. So it's great. It just kind of explains like 
the science behind why breath is important, why it's the fourth pillar of health, which we'll get into. But so the intellectual piece was like, wow, this is supremely good for you. And you can actually change your state. You can really shift up or down. And you're moving between states of, of the nervous system, the sympathetic versus parasympathetic. So we kind of learned about that. And through that, tried every style of breath work, you know, Kapalabhati, box breathing, 478 breathing, all these different patterns and realized from reading tons of research papers that, you know, inhaling is increasing your heart rate. You're blowing off a lot of carbon dioxide. You are constricting your blood vessels. You're creating a fight or flight state. Long, slow exhales deep into the bottom of the lungs, creating parasympathetic rest and digest state. So everything came from, okay, you can like go into fight or flight, you can go into rest and digest. So when we create a session, it's like, well, what are we trying to do here? If we're trying to sleep, long, slow exhales, a lot of breath retentions, slower and less inhale. So maybe you inhale for three, exhale for eight. You know, and so very basic principles. I'm doing those right now, by the way. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> so, so that was like, okay, well, if we're going to do a sleep or some type of down-regulated emotion, great. Then on top of that, we started layering in, asking customers, hey, what do you want? Some people would say, oh, we want the deep psychedelic ones. Okay, great. We know that that's going to be, you know, 40 minutes to an hour to kind of create uh, a turnoff of the default mode network, the part of the mind that's, you know, always on with judgment. Like you're actually physically turning that off by slowing the oxygen absorption into the brain. You're sending signals to the limbic system. You're uh, reducing your sense of self, your sense of memory. So you're creating not quite psychedelic, but similar state. And in that state, you're processing emotion. It's like, okay, well, what emotions can we process? Anger, grief, shame. So we'll listen to our customers. Someone will say, oh, you know, I'm really struggling with anger. I just got out of a breakup. So we're like, we have on cutting the cord for breakup. So the goal was to combine breathwork patterns, which we knew through the science, with incredible music. So the music we partner with DJs or use royalty-free libraries. And Harry's a, a producer. He's like, you know, magical being that does all these things. But so he'll sit there. And once we've decided on the breath pattern, the emotion, We'll then talk to therapists about like, what is the language here? So is it, you know, there's one with an amazing like inner child release. There's another um, about forgiveness. And we use technical uh, exercises that therapists will use. And so it's a combination of the breathing patterns, the visualizations and the language and the music. And the goal was like, let's not make it like a meditation. Let's make it like your favorite song on Spotify, where it's like, you know, you're doing third eye. It's kind of like you're listening to a dope set. There's another one on there called Roller Coaster. And the DJ is this person, Flying Colors, who's a Burning Man DJ. And he made that custom set. And in that one, instead of the standard breathing patterns, we were like, let's design the breath to the music. So sometimes it'll be in 12, out 6, because the music demands it. And so it makes it more... Like every session is a work of art. So it makes it entertaining. Like, yeah, I'm fucking listening to this wicked set. I'm breathing to it. I'm creating a state change. Oh, shit. That's what happens when I go to a nightclub. You know, so it was really thinking through a combination of science, music, visualizations, and language um, to be able to help you shift your state five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you need. That's uh, really interesting about the language of working with therapists because I have also noticed, and I'm, I don't know, maybe it's just my judgmental, critical mind, but when it comes to music, A, I'm super critical, like very picky music person. Of course, I think that stuff I like is the best probably isn't to you or anyone else, but to me it is. So the music's really good, but also I didn't find, I think a couple of days ago I did the affirmations one mm -hmm. 
And I put it on, I was like, ah, affirmations, like basic, you know, I'm like, what, are, what am I going to learn from this kind of, you know, not going into it with a negative mindset, but not really high expectations. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 affirmations, I get it. But I think because I was in such a deep state from the breath and I was also, I think pretty much every time I've done it, well, almost every time has been under the Lucille light, which is a show I've done in the past. We'll put the Lucille light episode in the show notes again at, uh, what was it? LukeStory.com slash Robbie. Um, but I'm in this really transcendent experience. And then those affirmations were actually very meaningful and things that, that I would work with outside of an app. I mean, this is like language that I understand and use and I didn't find it to be corny at all. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, I don't know, you're in a yoga class, right? You travel to a small town. It's like, you know, some mom that went to a yoga teacher training two weeks ago and is guiding you through something. You're kind of like, ah, this is kind of campy or corny or not that deep or just you don't relate for whatever reason. And I was pleasantly surprised that that element, like the actual words chosen, the um, the dictates of, you know, say this inside and stuff are actually very deep and profound, uh, including the one that I did last night. Uh, Allison's had this uh, cedar fever thing that we heard about in Texas and have yet to experience, but unfortunately she's had this thing going on for the past week. So doing breath work has not been on the top of her agenda but I coerced, coerced her into doing it last night uh, in anticipation for our interview. So we did the 30-minute, uh, what was it? I, I took a note of it. The couple's energy, right? 30-minute thing. And she obliged. And the prompts in it were so beautiful that at the end of it, dude, I mean, I'm generally more emotional than she is. Um, I was like bawling, dude. We're laying together holding hands. I love you so much. But a lot of it was from the breath, but equally so from the prompts. I mean, these are things that I want to think about, you know, moments um, uh, in which I experienced kindness or love from her, you know, and like thinking about those and actually having the practice to go, wow, this person really does love me. And here are all the instances that I have in my memory bank that I can pull up and actually re-feel those. You know, it was really beautiful. Um, however, during the experience last night, our little dog Cookie there that I think is probably out of the camera's reach uh, was laying right there under the table. And right when we started doing the deep breathing, the inhales, she ripped the gnarliest silent... <laughs> Silent but violent fart. And I mean, it was actually hilarious because we both at the same moment were like, fucking cookie, you know? And I realized maybe sometimes, you know, the dog should have her own space in intimate moments like that. But yeah, it was, it was hilarious. So in 30 minutes, we had like laughter, tears, depth, deep intimacy with the eye gazing portion. That was another part of the prompts that were really beautiful. You know, it's like, we do that, but I'm not necessarily going to just do that on a Tuesday night unless I'm like, hey, in a half an hour, can I borrow you? Let's have a little 30-minute experience, you know? So I like the intentionality of that, especially doing it with a partner. That was really cool. So those are some of my, um, you know, my personal anecdotal experiences thus far. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm super into it. Not just saying that because you're here, but it's, uh, it's very cool. Aside from your own journey that you've expressed here today, what sort of transformations have you seen with other people, you know, in your space um, in Toronto or reflections from people using the app? Like what, what kind of crazy stuff are you seeing from people in terms of 
emotional breakthroughs and things of that nature. It is insane. Like, I never would have expected this in my wildest dreams. It's at a point now where I'm getting two, three messages a day or our team is, you know, the reviews, even if you look at the physical space in Toronto and go through the reviews, it's just every single one, you know, it, the crazy people are, are saying like, hey, I haven't cried in 10 years. This was the first time I felt safe enough to like release emotions. We had one that stuck with me from, from COVID was a woman who's so scared and isolated. She would not even go to the door to get her Uber Eats would wait 10 minutes until the person had left. And she said doing these deeper sessions every week for 12 weeks, she was able to overcome her fear and start to go back out into using society the app at home. using the app. Things for like, you know, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, people being completely healed. Like we've, we launched in January. We're like, you know what? It's really hard to do a cold plunge. It's not for the mainstream. It's, it's like fantastic, but it's, it's hard. So let's just make it fucking easy. And the other thing, it's, it's not that fun. Like you're in there for three minutes. You're kind of sitting there waiting, mastering your breath. You feel great after, but why, why is it not guided? And so we spent some time, designed 31 sessions with breath work in the cold. You listen to amazing music and we just made it free. We just said, you know what? We're just gonna make this free for anyone who ever wants a free month of the app. It's called the Play It Cool Challenge. It launches, no money on marketing. We just kind of launch it. We're like, hey, this is a free thing. You want to learn to cold plunge? Here it is. Uh, so many people sign up for it on New Year. And we launched it like two days before New Year's, no planning breaks our website, like hundreds of people join this WhatsApp chat from all over the world. So I'm looking at like, who are these people? Like Italy, Kenya, uh, Dubai, like, you know, all over Canada, the US. And I'm like, it's so cool because people are just, plungers are nuts, you know? They love it so much. They're so passionate, but they're doing it alone in their little ice hole. And they, there's not really a community of plungers that's global. And so we just kind of put this thing out there for free. And every day people are sharing like, this is the first time I've been able to keep a New Year's habit for, for 12 days. I've never, I never thought I could do this. My resilience, my bravery. You know, it's the first time I felt safe feeling emotions. I'm always in my head. So, you know, I, I just, it just makes me feel so good, man. Like really to see something like that, put it out and, and have people like what you, you build and say like, thanks, like you're making a difference, you know? So those are, I just, I think it's, it's changing lives like to see a lawyer come out on a monday night do a loving kindness class talk about the enemy he felt in his dad start crying in front of a group of like 40 strangers like where the hell does, does that happen <laughs> that's so cool god what a cool job you have i mean i do too i'm very grateful to share people like you with the world there's going to be people listening to this that are some will be very experienced in these realms and some have never heard of any of this, you know, and they're going to, oh, by the way, that's a good, uh, good opportunity. You guys gave um, a great offer here and I'm going to throw that in. I'll probably have put it in the intro, but just before I forget, uh, if you guys go to othership.com slash Luke, you can use the app for 14 days for free. Thank you for that. I have a sense. How much is the app, by the way? Because you guys gave it to me for free, but for a normal person that doesn't have a podcast, how much is it? Yeah, it's 128 bucks for the year. Wow, not bad. I think, is that less than Netflix or on par? Yeah, it's about the same. (laughs) (laughs) I'd say if you can't, well, get your 15, your 14 days for free at othership.com slash Luke. Um, I bet if I don't, I don't have the discipline to do this, but I think if one were to cancel Netflix and just do this, their life would probably be a lot better. But maybe some people can afford both. Yeah, we look at it like one, if accessibility is an issue, DM us and we can figure something out. So we never want someone who, you know, was like, hey, I want to use these practices. 
it's kind of we followed Sam Harris. I always really respected how he did that. Uh, so DM us, you know, with an ask, and and happy to figure something out. Cool. Um, but two, the goal was look, if you're doing one session a month, one of these deep dives, and it changes your emotional state, like what is that worth? You know, 128 bucks is half of a therapy session. So if you're using this even just once a month, like one of those couples energy date sessions once per month, we thought like the value was there. So the goal was like to, to make sure the experiences, yeah, there's the daytime, five minutes, date shifts, the getting to bed, which are great. But if you can do one of these deep emotional ones every once in a while, we thought like that would convey value to the user. Absolutely. I've been doing one every day, <laughs> you know, but I also, you know, worked for 52 years to create a life that gives me an hour in the morning where I can really get, you know, get myself in the state that is necessary to do all the things that I want to do. Um, not everyone's in that position, but that's another thing that I think is cool about it. You know, yeah, if your life at the moment doesn't account for an hour in the morning to like be your best self, do 10 minutes. Whether you're using like your app or any kind of breathwork practice, Wim Hof, whatever it is, because now we know the science on this it is universal to human beings, the way that we breathe, um, you're going to have an impact on your life that's positive. Just period. There's no way to do this, no matter how you do it, without having something good happen. You know, so I want to encourage anyone, especially people like me, that have a difficult time finding the discipline to really go deep on their own. I have the discipline to do some breath work pretty much every day um, for a long time now, but I'm not going to do an hour mm -hmm. on my own. It just it's not going to happen. I might set that intention, but no. Yeah, the times I do the hour is with friends, and so what it's become is you know ten friends come over and we're partying and that's the way we party is we put it on speakers blasting across the house we lay down do one hour of breath work and that replaces the bottle of wine or yeah. the drugs and it's kind of like an exciting that, thing to do you in know that that's actually a really good point because we've just been busy kind of moving into our house so we haven't invited many people over and are just kind of being hermits for whatever reason it's what feels good but i had the thought um once we got a little more settled i thought man we should hire like a I have a lot of friends here that are breathwork practitioners. We could, you know, beg one of them to come do it or pay them to do it or something and, you know, set up the living room down there and have like a breathwork night. And I'm like, eh, sounds hard <laughs> to put it together. But I just had, to, I, dude, I could put your app on and crank yeah. it on the, the whole house system and just blast it and invite some homies over to the loft. And you don't need a facilitator because you guys are doing that for us. That's a great idea. I like it. I've always been a fan of pomegranate, but I had no idea it contained one of the most powerful compounds in the world for mitochondria. It's called urolithin A, and it's incredible for mitophagy. Or put more simply, the way your body discards old dysfunctional mitochondria. The thing is that you'd have to eat ridiculous amounts of pomegranate to get a clinically effective dose of this urolithin A. That's why I get mine in a product called MitoPure, available in a berry powder, protein powder, and soft gels. Super easy to take and adopt into your daily routine. MitoPure is a breakthrough postbiotic that activates your body's natural defense against aging. It's also the first product on the market to offer a precise dose of urolithin A to upgrade mitochondrial function, increase cellular energy, and improve muscle strength. MitoPure is the result of 10 years of research by scientists at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, and its clinically proven benefits are available for the first time in the U.S. through Timeline Nutrition. 
To learn even more about the science of MitoPure, go back and check out episode 389 with Dr. Chris Wrench. It's a mitochondria geek out of the highest order of magnitude and helps simplify this complex topic. And in the meantime, as a special offer for you listeners, you can use the promo code LUKE10 to get 10% off any 2, 4, or 12-month MitoPure plan at TimelineNutrition.com. And by the way, I highly suggest the Starter Pack, which lets you try all three forms of MitoPure. Again, that's TimelineNutrition.com, and your code is LUKE10. All right, so um, last thing I want to cover here is what's your absolute stretch vision for what you're doing with Othership? Like, give me, you know, in 10 years from now, what does this look like for you if everything goes according to your, your plan? Yes, I think the two big problems we want to solve is I'm standard person. I don't know anything about this. So I'm not into spirituality. I don't do yoga. I don't do meditation. I'm unhappy. I don't really know why. I don't know what tools I have. And this is, you know, 90 of of North Americans. Like I'm struggling, okay? And I know there's these amazing tools like psychedelics and meditation, but the prep of the friction to get to them is just too hard. The other side of that problem is, hey, I've done these crazy peak experience retreats, but I'm not integrating them into my life. So yeah, I've went to the meditation retreat, but the change didn't happen. So I want to solve that problem to help the average person who's unhappy and overwhelmed come into a more happy place where they understand process their emotions and do it in a way that's accessible. So what does that entail? It entails, you know, in 10 years, an othership in every major city. And that othership, that bathhouse is like the, the atomic unit, the hub, where you go weekly, you meet your friends, you hang out there. It can be socially, you do your emotional classes that we talked about. Then you have the app that you use at home. So you can use that daily, you know, for five minutes, just to improve your breathing patterns, improve your, your emotional awareness and regulation. And then there's a bit of a deeper process. So there's two things I, I really want to build in the future. One is a kind of like a pilgrimage. So when you have 50 studios and a million customers, once a year you have a five-day kind of a music festival meets Tony Robbins. And so you know it's you go and you meet all the other hardcores that are using the product, and you have this thing that's kind of you know it's super fun, but there's some work. And so at night it's a party, but in the day it's personal development. It kind of gives you that thing to look forward to. And then I would love to introduce groups. So something we're thinking about is you've come to the space 10 times. One of the biggest problems outside of this prep and integration is, is loneliness. So people's, I don't know if you heard the stat, but the average, what do you think the average close friends, the number of close friends that the average North American has? Three. 0.8. <laughs> oh, so, so, so most people out there don't even have a single person oh, to like man. share their problems with. And we oh, feel more isolated than, than ever. And it's become... Everything you can do can be done by, from your phone. You don't need to be in community the same way you used to. Jobs are changing. Everything's remote. So, you know, it'd be really nice. There's people that come that are lonely. They're looking for a friend group. So you start coming to the space. You've come 10 times. You get a message. Say, hey, do you want to join a group? And that group includes once a week, like a Zoom check-in with your group, once a week, an ship session, and then a retreat. And so this solves all the problems. It gives you the group, gives you the sustainability, the accountability, and then also allows you to do those peak experiences reduces the friction. And I think if you have something like that, some kind of system, kind of like the way AA is like a really beautiful system that works. If you have some kind of system like this, it can appeal to a different set of people. And so in 10 years, if we built all of that, I think we can help millions of mainstream people change their lives. So that's kind of the the goal is to build that system. I love it. Uh, What about... um... 
the integration of plant medicine, psychedelics, as I think we were talking earlier about ketamine um, being a, a legal, I wouldn't say it's a psychedelic, but definitely can help you see some things you don't see normally. Um, where do you see the integration of, of working with entheogenic substances, et cetera, as legality permits? Yeah, so I think from our, my standpoint is what we can provide to that service is the prep. So for many people, like what I've seen here is you come into the space, you're kind of like, oh, it's not an ice bath. It's cool. I'm feeling good. Like I've started using that. I'm doing breath work. I'm feeling good. And you're here in the space, ayahuasca, psilocybin. You know, you start following the podcast to be healthier. I listened to Luke's story and I heard about it and you're, you're interested. And so we can help take a group of those interested people and then make a recommendation on a safe retreat to go to. Not run the retreat, but partner. You know, it could be partnered with Holos in Costa Rica, which I just got back from. Which was, did you go there? Yeah, it was incredible. Oh like, man, I'm supposed to go there, and I haven't, I haven't yet, sadly. One of the best experiences of my. So I've done four deep dive ayahuasca retreats, and that one, I went with. It was a to call in fatherhood. Uh, so I went with 15 of my ayahuasca. For me, has always been super hard, dramatic, deep, dark, letting go of traumas. And this one, I went with 15 friends, my sister, my family, like wow. all the best people in my life who are going to be around my son with uh, the idea of, hey, I'm transitioning into a new form of life. I want to like call it in. And instead of like shriveling in the corner, scared and, you know, struggling, I, I asked for help and my friends would come over and hug me during the ceremony. And it was just, yeah, the nature was incredible. Wow. So something partnering someone like that who's an expert, that's not our expertise, and sending a group of people in the same city to go and then when they come back, also providing the container so they continue. So one thing that was cool about that ayahuasca doing with my friends, the other ones I've been to, you really get close in these seven-day, 10-day retreats. And you're like, wow, we're going to be friends forever. And then the WhatsApp chat for one month is pretty popping. Then like three <laughs> months probably. later, you know, then one year later, like I don't even remember the names of the people I did the first ayahuasca with. And so wouldn't it be great if you did it with people from your town and then had a space to go to that was geared for transformation. So I don't see us providing psychedelics, but I see us working with providers to provide everything around it to make the change stick. That's awesome. I mean, there's, I can't think of a better integration than community, hot, cold, breath. I mean, that's it. That's the winning formula. Wow. Very cool, man. Well, I wish you the best in your endeavors. Um, very happy to support what you guys are doing, especially the move to Austin. That one, selfishly, I'm most excited about. Until then, I'll use the app and um, God forbid I ever have to go to New York City. But if I do, <laughs> another ship there will make it a lot better. God bless everyone that still likes New York. I just don't like cities in general, Austin included. So I don't live down there where all the people and 5G towers are. Um, do you? Uh, one last thing I want to ask you, actually. Uh, do you have any um, apprehension about building brick and mortar businesses in light of what we just went through with all these draconian lockdowns and stuff, which from my purview seem to be much more extreme north of the border in Canada. I mean, have you, I'm sure you guys have talked about that. I mean, what, what happens if they're like, oh, hey, there's a new thing and we're shutting everything down? Yeah, we're bankrupt. So yeah, like, you know, <laughs> the COVID, the first vaccine came out and we were like, hmm, looks like this is going to end. You can kind of get the sense, you know, we look to the UK and we we're like, let's roll the dice. People need this. They want it. Fuck it. Like, let's let's go. It's important. And so we signed the lease, put our own money into it, took the plunge, like literally, and and 
opened. And you know, now it's just like, fuck that. We made something that's fucking awesome. We want to give it to people and we're going. And and yeah, like if it if another pandemic hits, we're bankrupt. And that's just the, is what it is. The fact. But like people need in person experiences. Nobody oh, wants to be on digital everything. It sucks. Like well, it's just, just think of the you know, and I don't don't want to go down this rabbit hole because we're we're out of time and we got lives to live and everything, but one of the saddest things about this whole era for me has just been how many people have been forced into isolation and how much suffering that's caused and and how much people uh, how much more people are prone to illness of all types viral in nature or not when they're not moving their body and breathing and getting hot and cold and eating healthy food and having community i mean it's like if you wanted to make a populace really sick, the very best way to do it would be stop them from going to gyms, and, you know, like church and Even all these just things. Being that, alone, the study just came out. Oh my uh, God. Loneliness has the same impact on inflammation in the body as as smoking fifteen cigarettes a day. Really, that's a so that's a real thing. real stat came out. Cigna wow. health study a couple years ago. Um, yeah, like that's insane. Like the fact, and it doesn't mean that you're around people; it's that you feel a lack of meaning and connection in your life. Yeah. And so for COVID, you put people alone. That's a form of, of torture. And oh, so, man. yeah, for me, like, let's, let's open. And I don't know. Yeah, this is probably a longer topic for the last question. But people, I don't think people are going to uh, accept something like this again. It's different. It's like, hey, we did this before. It didn't work. Now you're facing... That's a good point. Yeah. All these, all these, you know, people just don't, don't want that. So yeah. we're taking the risk and. Good for you, man. Good for you. I encourage all entrepreneurs in the wellness space to follow suit. Um, I mean, I luckily had a podcast. So, and people that I interview aren't generally afraid to breathe each other's air, even in the middle of whatever that was. Um, but I stopped doing public speaking, you know, and if that had been like my main source of revenue and all that it would have been uh devastating you know thankfully i was i was kind of relieved actually now that now that you can go do that again and events are happening i actually don't really feel like doing it i kind of got used to not going out and traveling and doing talks and stuff i enjoy it but like the, the time to get there and all the stuff that goes into it's kind of pain in the ass but man i felt for people that you know make a living doing live events and stuff it's just brutal especially those people that are doing things like you are that are really supportive to people's emotional and mental and physical well-being. It's like, man, if we're going to shut anything down, how about not that? You know what I mean? Shut down bars. I don't, you know, maybe not that either because that's medicine for some folks too. But anyway, congratulations on uh, on your success. I wish you much more of it. And I can't wait for uh, hopefully thousands of people listening to this podcast over the next few weeks. Uh, to check out your app. And if they're in Toronto or in the future, New York City, to come see what you guys are up to, man. It's really, really cool. Thanks, Luke. I appreciate it. You know, um, just inviting me to your house, putting something together to make me feel less nervous before we start. I thought it was really thoughtful. It was beautiful to, to meet you in person. So I really appreciate likewise, it. Likewise. And I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to adopt that, put people on a little 10-minute journey before we sit down. Anyone that's willing, at least, which hopefully most of them will be. Yeah, you were my, you were my beta test. And you were, by the way, very coherent and present. You didn't seem too spaced out or anything. So apparently it works. Awesome. Thank you. Well, that right there concludes this week's journey, my friends. Thank you for spending your valuable time with me and my new friend, Robbie. And I hope that you had as much fun as we did. Now, the only part you missed was the other ship breath and ice bath session we did after the recording. 
It's always great to get to know people in the interviews, but it's a whole different experience to lock eyes and breathe together in a Morosco Forge freezing ice bath afterward. And that's exactly what we did. It was really fun to conclude our time together in such a meaningful manner. But fret not for missing that part of the show because you can go to othership.us slash Luke right now for 14 days of their Breathwork app for free. And I highly recommend checking it out. It's pretty cool. And if you dig it as much as I do, make sure to take advantage of their exclusive Lifestylist listener offer to get 25% off the annual subscription. And here's the link for that one. It's lukestory.com slash othership. And of course, all of those links can be found in the show notes on your podcast app as well. Okay, on to the next one. This Friday, we'll drop another solo cast Ask Me Anything episode where Bailey poses questions to me taken from the Lifestylist Podcast Facebook group. This will be episode 460. We chat about a lot of topics, including how to unvegan yourself, probiotic scams, home ozone therapy, and myth-busting earthing and grounding. And next Tuesday, we're back with another guest episode. That's number 461, Quantum Upgrade, Charging Your Health, Home, and Happiness with Source Energy. That one features Philip from Quantum Upgrade and Ian Mitchell from Wizard Sciences. And heads up, if you're a fan of the Leela Quantum stuff, EMF protection, and all the energetic life upgrades, you definitely want to tune in next week. So before we get out of here, make sure to tap subscribe or follow on your podcast app so all the new shows are auto-downloaded the moment they're published. I actually do this with all of my favorite podcasts so I can listen to them with my phone on airplane mode. It's a great EMF hack, by the way. Okay, that's it. We'll meet again this Friday and again next Tuesday. Until then, keep your head up, your heart open, and your life styled. Hold up. 